Welcome to Flip the Script, the show where we talk about all your favorite adapted films and where they got their start. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that the following episode will spoil important plot points from the movie and its original source. I'm your host, Kim Labick, and I hope you enjoy the show. All right, well, welcome, Tyler. This is going to be our first podcast together, but definitely not either of our first podcasts, so (laughs) this is going to be fun. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Planet of the Apes. So obviously, because you and I have like done our research on this, we didn't want to get too, too far into the whole Planet of the Apes universe because there's a lot. So basically, what we're going to be talking about this time is the original book, which was published in... 1963 was a French book written by Pierre Boulle. And then we're going to be talking about the 1968 movie, which is kind of like the most, I feel like it's the most known film out of all of them. And then also the Tim Burton remake of, again, like the first of the series in 2001. Yeah, Tim Burton one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so sick. Uh, we both have podcasts and uh, this is how I sound all the time. Good. Good, good. But uh, yeah, I've been I've been stoked to uh, do Planet of the Apes for for a while now, um, because uh, I guess I'll just already plug it. Do it. <laughs> I have a podcast called The Franchise with my friend Connery Hansen, and we cover movie franchises. And uh, we usually cover newer stuff, but I've always been wanting to do Planet of the Apes. And he actually like not related to this. My co-host wanted to do like the newer series and i'm like ooh, this is a good time to like deep dive into oh nice um doing the 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 original franchise i mean this is just the the first movie but you're like oh yeah we're not covering like the whole series or anything but i (laughs) i kind of got overly excited and just watched the rest of them (laughs) but i will do my best to not talk about them that's okay that's okay but yeah thank you for having me i'm looking forward to this yeah man me too i mean okay because again you mentioned you have your podcast the franchise and i have this podcast flip the script and it kind of worked out perfectly because this was another one like on my list that I wanted to get to eventually and because it's also a franchise I was like this is the perfect like mix-up and I know we had like so many other ideas when we were thinking like okay we're gonna do a joint podcast what are we gonna do but I'm honestly so glad that we landed on this because revisiting the original like the 1968 movie and seeing for the first time the 2001 movie I have so many thoughts and like also reading the book these all three of these are so fucking different dude it's wild yeah they're all something i I really appreciated i don't know if this is jumping ahead but like how different the endings are from each other yeah which i don't know if i already played my card but like yeah i'm not a big fan of the tim burton one and i know the main thing that people complain about in that in that movie especially is the ending but it's like at least they did he tried to do something different, even though I don't know if it makes any sense, but I still think it's kind of funny. <laughs> so that's something. Yeah, I agree. I'm also glad that he like tried something different because I feel like if you would have had the exact same ending, it you know it would have just been obviously predictable because we would have all known, and then it would have not have had as much of an effect. But also, honestly, fuck it. Let's just skip ahead and talk about the ending for a minute because the Tim Burton movie ending is more similar to the book ending. Uh, Because basically, like, it makes it so that the whole time they are on a different planet that is the planet of the apes. And then they go back to Earth. But Earth just so happens to also be owned by apes. 
And it's kind of like, like what a what a wild coincidence. It's a, it's all very strange. Um, I thought I thought so. Like on the back of the book, it's like oh, one of the best uh, reveals of any book at the end, like the twist at the very end. I'm like, okay, well in the movie, I know that Charles Heston finds the Statue of Liberty, and I'm like, oh, is that the is that the uh, Ugh, I almost said the French connection, and I'm like, that's that's <laughs> that's just another bad joke. But you know, Statue of Liberty, the original author was is French, and so I thought it would maybe be like, oh, okay, are they going to show the Eiffel Tower instead or something at the end of the book? <laughs> but what they end up doing, basically, what I did is like, I have a bad tendency when I have like, because I've covered a couple books on my uh, podcast as well that are like franchise related, mm-hmm. and I have a bad tendency to buy the book like two months before we record the episode and then just end up slamming it in like the, the week before we record. So I was basically doing that for Planet of the Apes as well. So sorry for that. <laughs> I think we had yeah, to like yeah. reschedule a couple times, but, <laughs> but anyways, I, I read up to the point, basically like two thirds way of the way into the book and then watched the 1968 movie. And I'm like, okay. And then I go back and kind of expected something like Eiffel Tower ish at the end. But the actual reveal in the book is like, way i think it's way better like that's my favorite out of the three and it just kind of like blew my mind because i'm like okay in the beginning of the book it's like this framing device of this like couple in like a solar solar outer space plane (laughs) solar (laughs) aircraft Mm -hmm. um which by the way that as well as one of the characters name is Jin, and i'm just like i have total like star wars prequel brain in the back of my head way too often and i'm just like all right george lucas had to have read this book right because like (laughs) There's a guy named Jin, and there's a solar, like, aircraft, or spacecraft, and that's what Count Dooku flies around town. (laughs) So are you trying to say that Star Wars was based off Planet of the Apes? (laughs) Yeah, at least the intro. Like, I feel like George Lucas definitely read it, you know? Planet of the Ewoks instead, I guess? Oh my god, I would pay to see a whole Ewok movie. Like, absolutely. That sounds, like, way more wholesome. Well, you know, they just had those Ewok movies come out on Disney+. Plus. Have you heard of those? What? No? They're, like, from the 80s or 90s. I just remember seeing them at, like, I never saw them. I know some people saw them growing up, but I just remember seeing them at, like, my local library. They had, like, VHSs of these Ewok movies. Ooh. And uh, now on Disney+, Plus, they, like, have, like, a Star Wars, quote-unquote, vintage collection. Mm-hmm. So they put those on there. And, you know, they're pretty painful to watch, but at least there's a lot of Ewoks. <laughs> uh, Wilfred Brimley's in one of them. but Damn. But um, yeah, you know, it turns out that the people talking about in their like leisure cruise thing, the guy telling the story about um, the scientist that crash lands on planet Soror or whatever, which ends up being Planet of the Apes, which I guess the original English translation name of the book is Monkey Planet. And I like that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although I can understand why they wouldn't want to make like Monkey Planet 4. (laughs) Uh, it, It ends up being like that they are both apes from the planet of the apes the whole time and it's Mm -hmm. like so great to me in that medium and like i think that's really interesting as an adaptation kind of thing because it's like okay i get them doing like the statue of liberty in the movie because how do you visually show someone not being an ape you know it's like right you have to read it because it's all description in the book unless they just like cast them as humans in the beginning and then did kind of like a reveal at the end that it's like oh you thought they were humans but they're actually monkeys like (laughs) they have to like you know, just put them in costumes at the end instead. But there's a lot of like Rod Serling-ish stuff going on in the uh, in the movie for sure. Which because he was one of the co-writers. Oh, but, um, okay. I was like, who who is that name? Like, what is that? 
for some reason the name Rod Sterling I was like is that the singer guy like the white hair singer I don't even know who I'm talking about Rod Stewart who the fuck (laughs) were you thinking of like a combo of uh, Rod Stewart and Roger Sterling from Mad Men yes exactly (laughs) I was just imagining (laughs) this old like suave white dude on an album cover and I'm like who is that his name starts with an R just walking up an infinite amount of stairs (laughs) can we like while we're talking about the beginning of the book can we talk for a second about so I'm not sure if anybody who's listening to this has read the book but Basically, the way that it starts out is there's these two characters, a guy and a girl on vacation in this really cool spaceship, obviously. Um, and and like you said, we find out later that they were um, apes the whole time or chimps or I don't know what the, the PC term for that is. Apes. Monkey all the time. Monkey, <laughs> Monkey all the time. Um, well, I think uh, in one of the later movies, uh, like the third one, when Cornelius and Zira like go back in time. It's Wait, like a what? reverse yeah okay i'm sorry i'm kidding like this i'm getting, this is why we shouldn't talk about these all the way back <laughs> yeah they go back in time because the earth's gonna explode people don't don't worry about this okay don't really worry about this but i love it somebody calls her a monkey and she's like that's the most offensive thing i've heard i'm an ape you know right right because so, they are different yeah at least in the movies they don't like being called monkeys true and definitely in the uh i feel like they make more of a note of that in like the 2001 for some reason, I feel like they talk more about like, hey, don't call me a monkey and I'm an ape, which is different or whatever. But on like the book, at the beginning of the book, I always find it like funny and kind of beautiful that like how we get this whole story is it's literally like a message in a bottle. Like these two chimps are like on vacation, hanging out. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they see like a <laughs> bottle floating in space and they're like, ooh, let's check it out. And so they they grab the bottle, they pull it inside and there's like a message in it and the message has this entire story written out which is also like i don't know if it was the way that they were describing it or it could have just been like how i was imagining it as i was reading this but i imagined it like a normal sized bottle with a normal sized note but it just so happens to have like a book length of a story from this guy Maybe they had like a flash drive inside the bottle or something. <laughs> yeah, it just pops it out, plugs it in. <laughs> it felt kind of like Treasure Planety, where it's like yeah, future uh, future pirates or something. Yeah, with which their was sailboat. definitely cool. And then you get to like the 1968 version, where the beginnings of all these are very different too. So the 1968 version, they're in like a spaceship, and it's like this crew of four people, and you don't even know like what they're really doing, but they're cruising around and of course they like crash land on the random planet in the year 3978 i feel like that might be the best estimate of a of a future thing that i've ever seen in like sci-fi yeah most sci-fi is like and this takes place in the far distant future of 2051 yeah if even yeah (laughs) yeah it's like i like at least with blade runner 2049 it's just like kind of plays into it where it's just like yeah the world's totally different 30 years from now because I think the <laughs> yeah. first Blade Runner takes place in like 2015 or is that Back to the Future part two both of those de- oh, yeah. definitely take place like 30 years in the future and it's like not realistic really right but this one at least is like way far distant enough in the future that I'm like oh okay you know a thousand two thousand years I could see I could see this yeah that's definitely something I liked a lot about the book and the uh, the original movie because it does feel more hard sci-fi that way. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's kind of like Interstellar or something. Where it's like trying to be more 
uh, factual. I feel like the movie and the book both do a good job at grounding a story based around a planet full of apes mm-hmm. enough, you know, which I feel like is kind of a hard set. Like this, like especially the movie could have been like way cheesier than it was. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. And it, it actually worked a lot better than I thought it would. And like the costumes still look like pretty dang good and everything too. Yeah, I think but. honestly, like I know the 2001 is kind of rough in a lot of ways, but I do think that both of the movies are pretty good in their production design. Like the yeah. the 2001 maybe gets a little bit too oh, I don't even know how to say it. Maybe too like Disneyland-ish in some of the sets, but for the most part it, it still feels very like legit. Yeah, it definitely feels like uh, they're near like the Jungle Boat ride or something when they go to like the ape, uh, where where it's like ape Charlton Heston in his yeah. uncredited cameo in the 2001 <laughs> one. But yeah, all the costumes are really good in the Tim Burton one and the stunts and everything are like really good, like the monkeys like jumping yeah. and stuff like that. I just think unfortunately that movie doesn't really have anything to say. <laughs> yeah. But the other like good thing that I do want to say about the 2001 before we like totally rip into it is actually two things two things i want to say good about the 2001 first of all that it has paul giamatti who is like yes so good are you a big giamatti fan too yes i feel like he's so he's so good and he doesn't like he doesn't do too much but he doesn't do too little like i feel like i have a very good amount of paul giamatti in my life yeah i wish he did more in that movie like i wish (laughs) it should have just been sideways but with two apes I would I would like that a lot. <laughs> but he was great. He was a great part of that movie. And also the fact that it was made in 2001, but that they didn't rely heavily on CGI. I was like, thank you. Because that could have made right. it just real gross. That's a good point. Because you'd almost think Tim Burton at that point would do something like that. Because, I mean, maybe it's because Mars Attacks is more like kitschy, I guess. you know. And, but like the, mm-hmm. the Martians in that are all CG. And that came out in like 96 or something. So it looks kind of hairy nowadays. But... Wait, well, maybe that was why, though, because I feel like in the late oh. 90s was when everybody, you know, all the directors made that mistake of being like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's use all the CGI. And then maybe because this one came out in 2001, he had already been like, eh, that didn't really work out so well. Yeah, that definitely is something that's nice. But um, I was just also thinking of Alice in Wonderland <laughs> from oh, 2010, yeah. <laughs> which uh, hurts my brain to look at. But true, because it's all CG. But <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so the beginning of the 2001 movie is different also because, like, they don't even they don't even have the the couple that was in the book again. And they don't really have the same crew that they had in the 1968 because, you know, again, they had like the crew of four and then they crashed and then they did some shit and then whatever. It was mostly one guy. Actually, the big thing that I want to talk about in the beginning of the 2001 film is that they have like chimp astronauts. They're like training chimp astronauts. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, oh my god, the first thing that jumps to my head constantly, I'm sorry everybody, it's just like, I was just about to say there's a lot of monkey business, and I'm like, I can't do this, <laughs> I can't keep saying things like this. They're all grown worthy, why is my brain like this? No, that was perfect. <laughs> my brain is like mushed bananas. Oh. You gotta just keep going, man. Just Everybody everybody, give Kim five stars, uh, five star rating on this podcast, but just like, <laughs> whatever I say, don't associate it with her, okay, everybody? <laughs> her podcast is great. Yeah, yeah, go over <laughs> to not... his podcast and give it one star. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, uh, just, <laughs> just still listen to it. You just, uh, if you don't give it a five star, just, just don't rate it, please, okay? Thank you. Valid, valid. 
<laughs> but I did like like it's it is so weird and but I like that there's monkey astronauts in it. It's just strange. Yeah. And it, it comes back later because like the whole plot twist of this version is like so they start out with these chimp astronauts and they send one yeah. of them. They send one of them out and they're like, Alright, do your thing, monkey, and he goes out and then they're like, Oh shit, we can't track him anymore. Hey Mark Wahlberg, go find him and he's like, Alright, I'm gonna go find him and that's when he gets like time warped and crash lands on the planet all that shit happens and then later on they find the old shit it's like really weird how they explain time or like don't even explain time but so later on in the story mark Wahlberg and all the people and all the chimps and whatever uh find the rescue mission that was supposed to rescue mark Wahlberg from having rescued the chimp and so then that's this whole thing where they're like oh you know like they did come try and save me and like oh shit and i don't know whatever and then right after that they like the original chimp astronaut drops in and he's like what's up bitches and i'm just like (laughs) it's like in the middle of a big fight between the humans and all the apes and like yeah it's right when mark Wahlberg like rigs this thing where it like blows up the whole back of the uh like the propulsion or something at the back of the spacecraft and you just see like apes flying in the in the air (laughs) just like hundreds of apes flying away and then um it seems like the humans are about to lose and then just jumping ahead that's probably my favorite scene in the 2001 planet apes because it's just like really silly to me i don't mean that in a condescending way i just think it it just is like inherently funny because Mm -hmm. he's kind of like the monkey messiah or something they're all just like oh let's stop fighting like that's what happens right (laughs) Isn't that something kind of like what happens yeah. at that point? I mean, if there's like some random monkey astronaut touching down and they don't have that technology, of course, they're going to be like, hang on, let's hear what this guy has to say. And everyone is like stopped and they're like, oh, it's probably another human. And it comes out and it's just like a chimpanzee. And I just imagine like some kind of like 90s commercial like Tang or something where like they make the chimp smile and like give a thumbs up or something. <laughs> he gives them a Pepsi and they stop fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's a really good crossover. Somebody needs <laughs> to make perfect. that parody just for me. Um Dude, this is like a total side note, but have you seen Snowpiercer the movie? Yeah. Okay, so spoiler alert for anybody at the end of that movie. Uh, is there a monkey? I don't remember. <laughs> there's not a monkey, but there's a polar bear, right? So they they the train gets like knocked down and they exit the train and it's all snowy and they see two polar bears in the distance. And the first time I saw this movie, I was literally convinced that the Coca-Cola logo was going to pop in because it looked just like a Coca-Cola <laughs> ad. They were like, look at these beautiful yeah. polar bears. Drink Coca-Cola. Santa's there too. Right, exactly. But anyways, apes. Apes. I just wanted Dunstan from Dunstan Checks In to show up in that uh in that ship and give everybody a thumbs up but that's my favorite scene just because it's really strange but like kind of works but i don't know some of the performances in that movie are are good like tim roth is obviously giving it his all as like the i don't know ape general guy i forget his name but Mm -hmm. i want to say it's like theo or thade thade i think yeah thade because it's he's the abraham lincoln statue at the end it's like oh Mm -hmm. honoring general thade Ooh, something else that i want to mention Okay, so at least in in the Tim Burton version and at the beginning of the 1968 version, and even in the book, they all at least think that they're on a different planet, right? Yeah. And yet, Mm -hmm. the book is the only one that seems to explain like, hey, we're on a different planet. Let's make sure that the water isn't 
poisonous or that the air is breathable. Like they take a minute to be like, hey, this is a new planet. We can't immediately assume that everything is human friendly. But like in the 1968 one and in the 2001, they just like crash on what they think is a random planet and just hop out like, oh, yep, we're fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, the book definitely does something better than... I mean, that's kind of like a weird book to Hollywood movie kind of thing where people mm-hmm. just jump out because uh, I'm a big fan of Prometheus, the oh, you know, yeah. like the Alien movie. And uh, mm-hmm. I like Alien uh, Covenant as well. I was about to say Isolation, which is the game, which is also good. It is <laughs> and, a good game. And scary. But both of those movies, the astronauts, well, Prometheus, like, one of the main complaints is, like, okay, these scientists just, like, take off their helmets on a foreign planet. Like, yeah, I agree. That is pretty dumb. So that's Mm -hmm. why I like that the book, like, takes the time to do that. And then, of course, in Alien Covenant, they just do it even faster. It's just, like, (laughs) scientists are kind of even stupider. But I like that, honestly, like, the, his, uh, his writing style and everything is, like, he, he is kind of like a hard sci-fi writer. Like, he at least acts like he knows what he's talking about. Right. with stuff mm-hmm. he's, he's like talks about the scientific method it's like when he he's either talking about like scientific things or being really horny and uh there's not much <laughs> in between i think in the book which is how you can tell he's french and he's a, man. a 60s frenchman <laughs> yeah there's a lot of weird yeah like just sexual stuff in the book i'm like all right this is oh like... my god can we get into that for a second because at the very least Cause there's a like, lot yeah when i was so when i was reading the book and to be honest, I didn't finish the book and then I had to spark notes the rest. So <laughs> no bear worries. with me. Um, but at the very least, like in the book, they crash land, blah, blah, blah. And then they find out things are safe. These two dudes are like chilling in a waterfall, naked, having fun. And then the first other thing that they see, they see like the footprint and they're like, oh, it's a lady footprint because it's slender. And then like five minutes later, they see this woman who they later call Nova. She's in all the movies. She has varying roles in all of them. But like in the book, they describe it. It's so like grossly stereotypical. They come upon this girl and they're like, and this beautiful woman, entirely naked, perfect body, young, white, tan woman with long blonde hair and her boobs. And it just like goes on. It's like so gross to read. That's the point where I'm like, this is pretty like colonialist or something it's just like all oh, yeah. like just not like colonizer but just like bad on like a lot of levels you know and, right uh, yeah and he just like called he's like her name was nova that's the name i just gave her and like she's like not even really uh like she's obviously not like an evolved person you know she like the mm-hmm. humans on soror are not like they're sentient but they're like more how we think of apes you know on our planet so they're just like they can't even really form words like she slowly learns learns a few words throughout the book and like by the end of the book she's kind of like becoming wait i'm getting the book and the movies mixed up a little bit now but yeah she learns more (laughs) stuff and like they're gonna have a kid in the book but then it it ultimately doesn't matter because it's the what really matters is the framing device it's like was that a true story or not about the humans but right total Mm -hmm. tangent basically as we go on and it's like he goes both bad male stuff in the main character where it's just like Mm -hmm. i'm a hoity-toity scientist i know a lot of stuff i'm so smart oh i'm also like (laughs) really like sexual and so i have to talk i have to tell all you about all my hang-ups it's like please please don't like please don't put this in the book and then he's like oh i got like super mad when they put nova in a different cage than me and it's like there's even a point where like 
he just like slaps her or something. I'm just like, this is yeah. And then I looked up the author. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's like never been married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his dating life was like, but so yeah, wrote this in the '60s, and like even in the movies, I think like the 2001 is ever so slightly better about it. But like even in the movies, like that character. Nova, first of all, she does barely anything in both of these movies. Um, I mean, let alone just agency, she doesn't even really have much to do. Yeah, she's basically just there to, like, look good and smile and nod every now and then. And specifically with that. Okay, so in the 1968 one, they're even worse about it. She's obviously, like, you know, this, like, perfectly groomed, perfectly shaved, elegant, beautiful woman, which doesn't make sense even for the fact that, like, you know, if you were basically like a human ape, you're not going to shave your armpits. Like, no. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so there's all that stuff. And then there's literally like the main character literally calls the dead astronaut girl, which like, you know, they came there with he came there with three other people. One of them was a woman. She died on board, blah, blah, blah. But the main character refers to her and calls her, quote, the best cargo we brought along. And then. Yikes. Yeah, and then he calls Nova stupid, and the one time she smiles, he claims he taught her to smile. And I'm like, you're just disgusting. Yeah, it's like his whole character, he's just an absolute nihilist, apparently, and he just fucking hates humanity, and he like even has several monologues about it, and his friend, who's the other astronaut, is just constantly like, jeez, man, like, calm down. He's like, I'm glad I'm on this planet of the apes. I hate people. They're all just full of crap and stupid. I'm like, well, I mean, that seems kind of more like the the uh, character. He's like an even more aggressive version of the character in the book. But mm-hmm. as like going to say, it's like, well, you know, like it, it doesn't like you don't have to have all these misogynistic elements for him to be a nihilist. You know, that wasn't necessary. But, you know, I guess it's also... <sighs> I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm defending this at all. It's just like very much a product of its time, I guess. But I agree. Charlton Heston is just also, I don't know. He's just a lot regardless. He's yeah. super dramatic. While we're like kind of on this topic, what do you think is like the messaging of this story as a whole? Because I feel like definitely at least the movies really muddy the waters because it feels like sometimes the movies are trying to say that humans are more civilized, but then the humans are also just like assholes still you know what i mean like they'll they'll be like why are you treating us like animals and then they'll break out of the cage and immediately start beating up the apes and like shooting and that kind of thing and i'm just like some of it i understand as being like oh if you're treating them like animals they'll act like animals or if you're treating them like animals like of course they're going to be angry and lash out again so in the 1968 movie there's definitely that one has guns a little bit and and the 2001 tim burton one does have guns but so there's just like times where the human guy is like shooting shit and i'm like you're that's not gonna that's not gonna solve your problem it just feels a little bit messed up and like how what it is trying to possibly say about violence in animals uh that's that's the analogy i like a lot like i think that is a major theme uh in the book in like this 60s version too it's like charlton heston's character is not like Taylor, I think his name is. Uh, he's not a very palatable character. He is just like a giant ass, basically. And like, it is all that nihilism about humanity. And I just think it's way more aggressive and probably just has to do with the times as well. And like, just a, 
like like I said, it's product of its time and in terms of its like really like bad messaging just with between like men and women and everything. But also just mm-hmm. like the first twenty minutes, I forgot about this, but like the first twenty minutes of the movie really, besides the intro, is just some like wandering through the desert with like oh, some yeah. crazy crazy <laughs> tilted shots and stuff i'm like man everybody i think i even wrote a note like these filmmakers were high as fuck like <laughs> while they were making this and there's also one of my one of the funniest moments of that now that we mentioned like the first 20 minutes where they're just bombing around like there's this moment where in the 1968 film they're bombing around and they they find a plant and they're like oh my god guys plant there's life on this planet and they immediately dig it up First of all, that action alone, I'm like, are you dumb? Like, if you just found a rare life on a planet and then you're like, let me dig it up and possibly destroy its entire existence. Uh, Dumb scientists. (laughs) Yeah. And then also, like, a minute later, when they're coming upon, like, the the scarecrows and the waterfall and that kind of thing, they see there's, like, tons of other, like, trees and bushes and foliage in the background. And I'm like, "Uh, was there a script supervisor on set or... It just yeah. seemed weird. It's it was honestly like way less psychedelic and spacey than uh considering it's like a late sixties sci fi movie, right? Like they're able to rein it in and like in a, in a way that like works both ways. But I think the book is pretty nihilistic, and I guess my perspective, my personal perspective on just the overall Planet of the Apes like material is me being a vegetarian. <laughs> yes, dude. Hell yeah. There's even a scene in the the 60s movie where they just say blessed are the vegetarians because they're just like eating big fruits <laughs> and like one of the guys is just like wearing a tarp from the spaceship and stuff because mm-hmm. they lost all their clothes but um i don't know I, I just like reading stories about how humans should check themselves basically mm-hmm. um and so that's what i appreciate mainly about planet of the apes is that's like oh yeah the apes are the dominant like oh what if- it's just the whole you know what if scenario of like what if there was a dominant species that wasn't us Right. I like that a lot because I feel like humans, you know, to get all preachy or whatever, like I feel like humans kind of treat the earth like trash a lot of the time. It's like, I yeah. mean, we're at the point where it's just like, what do we do now? Just humans have always acted like we own the planet when we're just like one species. And I don't know, I guess I'm being totally preachy, but no, I, yeah, I guess it's like slight masochism or something too to be like, yeah, when I read like Planet of the Apes, it's like, yeah, humans aren't that great all the time, <laughs> but it's also interesting mm-hmm. that the apes, like, aren't as advanced as people, and I like that little aspect as well. Like, I forget the exact line. Uh, it's about, like, later on in the book. Uh, after, did you get to the point with, like, the big ape council and everything? Mm, I don't think so. Where, like, he has to do his presentation. Oh, okay. I, I feel like that's, like, where I ended off. And then okay, I just, like, yeah. spark notes from there. But he, yeah, because in the book, like like you're saying, he gives this, like, big speech to a ton of people. Right? Yeah, and they're like totally shocked. Um, it's kind of like Bicentennial Man <laughs> in some ways. Have you seen that movie? A long time ago, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's fine. I don't think you need to watch it again. <laughs> but he become he goes in front of like a giant like world council to like proclaim himself as a human instead of uh, a cyborg man, a robot, I guess. <clears throat> robot Williams. Wait, isn't he also in the movie Robot? the wait wait wait. are you talking about the animated one robots yeah oh robots yeah yeah that was so good i think he's a robot in a few things okay i'm totally sidetracking but um (laughs) i like that scene a lot i i had a point before this but i'm just going to talk about that scene too like in the book it's so good there's just like 
thousands of apes in an auditorium while he's giving this presentation and they're just all like gobsmacked and then when he finishes his speech they're just like they just say it's like thunderous roars and everything like like he'd never heard before he's like he like wanted to cower or something or like cover his ears and stuff because it's just a bunch of apes screaming at him (laughs) and like in like just confusion and like excitement and everything and then in the movie there's like four orangutans sitting at a court and i'm like yeah this feels kind of low budget at points yeah but and just like Oh my god, the talking thing. The talking thing is like a very important thing in the 1968 movie. And it's a pretty important thing in the book too. And then in like the 2001 Tim Burton movie, the humans can talk the whole time. All of them. Like we almost immediately when Mark Wahlberg sees like the first humans and stuff, like it's a very short while until he hears one of the humans i think it's nova's dad says something like don't be afraid or whatever to her as she's being taken it it just feels like definitely feels like thrown together and i feel like tim burton's definitely a director that kind of like ridley scott too where it's like if they don't care about a certain thing about a story they'll just like throw it out mm-hmm. or not really think about it or use it and like that's fine in some instances for sure and then other times it just doesn't really work so it's like um not doing the legwork i guess to establish that world and i think tim burton just kind of wanted to play in that world yeah but i don't know if he really had a big overarching overarching idea but you're talking about nova's dad like that's another like i love paul giamatti i also really like chris christopherson in movies like i really like him in blade and uh i don't know just a bunch of other stuff but Mm -hmm. that's that's another actor i like a lot that just like doesn't get much to do in the movie yeah at least, though, in the 2001 movie, there's a lot more story going on with the apes than in, like, any of the other ones. Because, like, there's this whole, uh, like, Helena Bonham Carter's character, who's, like, the main scientist, social justice warrior ape lady. She's, like, kind of the outcast of the family because the family seems like kind of a wealthier family. And they're like, fuck humans. We hate humans. And she's like, but humans are okay. And then... There's also this whole side story going on between, like, her and Tim Roth. Like, Tim Roth likes her, but is a total douchebag. So she's like, no, thank you. And then what else? There's also, like, Tim Roth's character, the douchebag, has beef with this other guy who was, like, like, used to be in the army and then didn't do something. I don't know. There's just, like, a lot going on there. The other general. Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff like that that's just like going around so yeah. uh i was reading some behind the scenes stuff and mm-hmm. i guess i can unpack a few things just from <laughs> what you just said in turn like so like there was going to be a different actor playing general fade carrie hiroyuki tagawa was going to be um general fade you probably okay. you may know him from the first mortal Kombat movie <laughs> he plays the main bad guy oh shit okay mm-hmm. um and he's also in man in the high castle the tv show He's in a fair amount of stuff, but he was going to be that character. But then Tim Roth came aboard and like Carrie Hiroyuki was like, oh, shit, like, is he going to take my role? Like, I thought there was only one general role. So he basically created that role for himself and pitched it to Tim Burton. Ooh, damn. So that he could still be in the movie. So I'm like, OK, well, I mean, that is kind of an interesting dynamic where it's like they're both generals and he's the former general, but he wants to like rebel and help the humans. Like there's something there, mm-hmm. but it mostly just ends up being kind of convoluted. Yeah. There's that, and then it's also just interesting that this is the movie where Tim Burton and Helena Bottom Carter started dating. Oh, it was in this movie? Whoa. Yeah, and, like, I think he was still married at the time. Oh, Tim. 
Tim, Tim, Tim. But it's just like extra funny that it's like the movie where she's in monkey prosthetics. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of random. And then Mark Wahlberg and her kiss at the end of the movie. I'm just like, that's one thing about Planet of the Apes series in general. When like when an ape character kisses a human, which I feel like happens like at least once a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how I really feel about that. Like, you know, I'm not trying to kink shame, but I mean, like, <laughs> I guess it's yeah. maybe if I just think, I don't know. It's just like that is still an animal person. I guess they're sentient. I don't know. It just feels a little ahead of itself you know yeah like not even not even like it's like a progressive thing not in that sense but it just feels a little bit like it's trying too hard to be a good thing when it's more just a weird thing in the context be an analogy to something for sure but it's still like kissing an ape person yeah i feel like it would have paid off more if there was like a genuine love story between our main character and the main ape lady but i feel like the 2001 it i mean none of them none of them does it really feel like that's what's happening at all i don't know it's almost like okay you've seen rogue one right yeah okay so i feel like the the romance in rogue one was another really good example of like a forced romance because i never felt romantic chemistry between those two characters and then at the end they kiss and i'm like where did that come from so it was kind of like that with this, but even more so, it didn't feel like there was anything going on romantically between them. It more just felt like they were like helping each other and respecting each other. But then, of course, there's that kiss in the end. And I'm like, I don't know, man, if you wanted that to pay off, maybe like make that a big chunk of the story, you know? I think the only thing I really like about the 2001 one is just like intermittent funny moments like the chimpanzee landing and uh the statue at the end because i it just is like a big mess i think really like this <laughs> yeah like just not even just what it has to say but just um script structure and everything mm-hmm. so let's talk about the the statue at the end let's uh because in the 2001 tim burton movie it ends mark Wahlberg leaves this planet of the apes and he somehow magically gets back to earth and as he's crash landing on earth he happens to land at like Washington DC um and he gets out and he sees what i affectionately call ape raham lincoln because he <laughs> sees good. this big lincoln monument and then like the face is an ape and it's just it's so funny and like dumb i don't know <laughs> yeah i do like that a lot and uh it's something that people definitely bagged on when this movie came out this movie made a lot of money uh but and they like could it made so much money that they could have made a sequel, but I think they just decided not to because they're like, yeah, I don't know if this is really going anywhere. But mm-hmm. yeah, that whole like the statue at the end and like when all the monk, uh, I guess I should stop saying monkeys for the sake of the fictional characters. <laughs> but when all the apes come out of the cars, there's like ape cops and like ape firefighters and just like there's just yeah. more and more cars coming out. Like I, I would have liked this. I think that would have worked better for Tim Burton anyways if it was like a modern he landed in like a modern world, but everyone was apes like, like that, you know, like I think it'd be more wacky and funky. It's just like, sometimes it's just, he just chooses kind of like stale things to go with when like, you know, he has like a lot of juice and like wacky stuff. At least he used to, you know, like just look at like, sure, like yeah. be- Beetlejuice or something that's like kind of out there, you know? Yeah. It definitely works better. Any Tim Burton movie works better when he has fun with it, but there's always like the ones that you're like, he, he, 
it looked like he wanted to have fun with it, but then just kind of dropped some stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, like, it probably seemed like a fun idea to do Planet of the Apes, like playing with these action figures in a way. But mm-hmm. um, like, there, I, it is still commendable, I guess, you know, that big fight at the end. Like, it is kind of a big thing. Like, there's so many, so many apes on horses and like they're all running at each other. It's like Lord of the Rings-ish, you know, and it's the year yeah. that fellowship of the ring came out you know so it's like it's impressive in scale um for sure so that's like something to commend but it's mm-hmm. also and, and there's no guns in the 2001 one i think right right well there there is like mark Wahlberg's character has a gun for a minute and then he he like shoots it off once or twice and then uh somebody wrecks it and is like believe me we're better off without it oh, which right. i thought like that actually now that I'm thinking about it, like, that was a good moment, I feel like, because, you know, when you, at least in the context of the 68 film, they kind of get to the end of it and they're like, hey, even though we're not perfect as the dominant species, apes are still kind of better than humans because look at all the fucked up shit you guys did. Yeah. So then when you get to that moment in the 2001 where they, like, destroy the gun because they're like, we're better off without it. Like, that's only going to cause bad shit. I feel like that totally makes the case for, like, the ape species being slightly morally better than humans but then it just like never there's not enough with that to like really make it pay off it's just sort of that moment that's like kind of one of the only parts in the 2001 uh movie that's like that but yeah that's like a lot of the book that i like a lot is like the rich of futurism where it's Mm -hmm. it's like oh maybe if we stop focusing on certain things even like to the point of this he's walking around town and everyone's just looking at him not because he's naked but just because he's like a human yeah and uh he's like oh like the street there's streets there's buildings and everything but there's a lot less traffic because people just like swing across the street on jungle gyms basically i'm like i like that idea (laughs) a lot that's good that'd be so fun but so it's like, oh, apes still have cars and everything, but they do some other things better. It's like, yeah, like they don't have guns. There's a lot of the book is too horny and misogynistic. <laughs> However, there is good world building. <laughs> there's True, definitely, yeah. I feel like there's pros and cons to every single like version of this story, you know? Yeah. Because there was a time where I'm like, OK, like, so is the whole planet actually a planet of the apes or is it kind of a thing where like they're in the stuck in their like past in a way? So that they've only discovered, like, one continent. It's like, oh, is there another continent that's, like, lizard people and they don't know about it or something? Right? (laughs) Okay, that's a huge question. (laughs) But then later in the book, they go on to explain, like, oh, the whole world is actually one giant country of apes. Like, they've managed to do that, whereas humans have not. You know, it's like, oh, like, we're all divided by, like, so it's like there's some, like, globalist uh, themes in the book as well. It's like... Mm -hmm. At least, I guess, especially in the 60s, I feel like that was a big aim. And, like, up to, like, the late 90s, and it's, like, we all thought, like, the world would become more globalist. But, if anything, it's just become more segmented and everything now. Um, so, it's just, like, an interesting Damn time right. capsule in that way, too. But it's just, like, mm-hmm. yeah, apes were able to do this. Humans could never do that. So, it's, like, using, you know, sci-fi, like, a lot of sci-fi uh, stories and stuff. to Using these, like, out-there concepts and stuff to make us reflective on our own society you know for sure because it also it sort of begs the question like it seems like with most of these stories 2001 68 the book all that it seems like most of them kind of i don't know i guess this is different for each one but they somewhat rely on the concept that like these apes evolved out of humans and then just like the remaining humans are just like 
uncivilized and dumb or whatever. But so, so yeah, this whole thing kind of gives you like, if these apes evolved from humans and they're like, at this point in time, it gives you the question, like, are they just going to basically become human 2.0 and like grow more to make the same mistakes that we did? Because it kind of seems like in any of the stories that we see them, they are obviously making the same mistakes that we did anyways, like with hunting humans and being like shitty to them. And they're all, all just like trying to cover up science and that kind of thing. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, are they better than us? Yeah. There's like, I was saying, talking about it a little bit and like at some point in the book where it's just like, Oh, they're behind us technologically and everything. And uh, they, exactly. They may not be better than us <laughs> because they commit stuff like that. I mean, like, Humans have done that as well. It's just a different time in our timeline right now, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And, I mean, terrible things continue to happen uh, that humans do to other humans. But um, I've always had this, like, it did make me think of something completely different than I normally think of. It's like, I just always, like, in terms of sci-fi and just human evolution, talking about, like, I don't know, like, the Spielberg movie AI and stuff like that, where it's just like, oh, uh, I feel like, oh, I don't know if humans are going to live like, on this planet forever, like, if you're going to talk about, like, especially artificial intelligence, it's like, oh, whatever comes after us is just going to be more advanced and better than us. But this mm-hmm. book really made me think, like, maybe whatever comes after humans won't be more advanced. It'll just be something different. Dude, I've been thinking that for <laughs> a while now, too, especially with what you're talking about with AI, because it seems to me like, at least where we are now, we're in a trajectory where we could feasibly reach like artificial intelligence as we see it in sci-fi movies. We could reach that point at around the same time that we reach a point of like of no return as far as humanity goes and global warming and that kind of thing, where we reach a point where we're like, we cannot fix this. We're all just going to die off slowly. Like that's like, this is basically the end of it. And if we reach that point and we also are going to reach that point, I feel like possibly around the same time that we start, genuinely colonizing like mars and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so if we hit like all of these points at around the same time what i think is going to happen genuinely is like artificial intelligence is just going to like take over as the dominant species obviously which like not in like a bad way but that if we are colonizing these other places they're gonna go and colonize these places and and go to other places and colonize those and just end up like literally making the same mistakes that we did because we created them well it's like uh replicants in blade runner like that a lot of the replicants were on they were the ones they sent to other planets to colonize that's like the original reason why replicants were built um to help build these new colonies and stuff on other planets and now they're hunting them down yeah i've never seen the original i've only seen 2049 i love the original yeah I, i mean i just love the whole aesthetic of it and everything too like the visuals and the lighting I, th- I mean, dope. I'm sure you'd like it. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a little dated too with it with stuff like I don't know. Harrison Ford's a little creepy in that movie for sure, but mm. it's still like definitely worth seeing. And the architecture is really amazing. Yeah, you're saying oh, technology not coming over in a, like in a bad way, but but maybe humans die out. Technology advances. Maybe humans die because of Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> but then the apes evolve so then it's apes planet of the apes versus terminator now oh that's my God. that's the ultimate crossover synergy <laughs> platform yeah i want to see that there's I a see arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> fight um helena bonham carter in an ape suit that sounds pretty good 
That would be dope. I would watch that. There's a bunch of, like, Planet of the Apes comics, too, apparently. Like, I just saw one that was, like, Kong on the Planet of the Apes. I'm like, ooh, I want to read that. What? I want to see what King Kong's doing on the Planet of the Apes. That sounds good. Would he just be... I feel like... Well, no, because he's a gorilla, right? He's not an ape, which are different. There's, like, monkeys, and then there's great apes. So great apes are, like, gorillas, um, orangutans, I think chimpanzees too got you okay and then the rest like you know like capuchin monkeys and stuff like the little ones are like just monkeys okay that explains a lot too because um at least in the tim burton movie like there were very distinct different species of apes so that kind of explains that more i guess they don't go into any other monkeys too it's like okay these are the apes i mean it's called planet apes but it's not (laughs) It was called Monkey Planet at some point, but what happened to, like, how do the apes think about the other monkeys that aren't super advanced? Or did he just, like, yeah. break it down? Am I just, like, opening up and, this like, world And, like, all other much? animals. Yeah. Because, like, okay, so going back to what you said about, like, Lizard like you're people. a vegetarian. <laughs> and, like, I'm vegan, so, like, I feel you, dude. Same oh, with that. Yeah. Like, if we were going to remake Planet of the Apes again uh, and, like, make it in 2021 or whatever, I feel like you really need to get more into, well, how do these apes treat other species and, like, what other species are around and, like, you know, are they... Because we also don't even get into the fact that, like... So in the reverse, obviously humans, we don't eat chimps, usually, at least not that I know of in in the cultures that I know. But, like, you know, it would be a very interesting dynamic to explore a planet of the apes where they do eat humans because then it would comment a lot more on, like the animal abuses and like all of those things that we as a race do yeah it would just like flip it and be like hey let's show more of that kind of thing if there was like a more aggressive ape or something yeah right have you ever Mm -hmm. seen the movie congo congo no no it's i I watch too many like i just watch a lot of sci-fi movies whether they're good or not (laughs) good there's some like really aggressive apes in that movie damn okay uh, yeah, it would have to be like the apes from Congo, basically. If anyone out there has seen Congo, <laughs> which is a which was a Michael Crichton book. Oh yeah, dude! I just recorded I just recorded Jurassic Park with uh, a friend of mine. The first oh, nice. two Jurassic Park, so hopefully those will be released around the same time that this is. Yeah, so the producer of Jurassic Park, Frank Marshall, directed Congo the year after Jurassic Park. So people had expectations of it being like looking really good and everything like Jurassic Park, but it didn't. It's just kind of like. <laughs> cheesy looking and there's a bunch of people in ape Fair. suits and uh the main ape has a speaking spell that can speak to people so that's that's cool <laughs> i like that <laughs> even though it's silly they're like carnivorous apes that were like trained by people to attack to like defend treasure basically is the premise of that <laughs> but yeah okay, that's what i'm okay. trying to say because i think uh i think apes I, I don't remember if it was in the book or something i was reading about planet of the apes maybe it was a was one of the sequel movies but they say like apes are largely vegetarian it's like, yeah, they'll eat, like, insects yeah. and stuff, you know, but they don't really go out of their way to, like, kill mammals and eat them and stuff, you know? Hell yeah. So. See, and that's the kind of thing that, like, should be explored in a more modern Planet of the Apes when they inevitably remake it for the fifth time. Because, like, well, wait, so there's also that whole new... I haven't seen any of, like, the new ones past the 2001. Aren't there, like... There's, like, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. There's, like, War... It's, of the planet of the yeah apes. exactly like even the names are confusing because dawn of the planet of the apes is the second one but you may think that rise of the planet of the apes is the second one it's like which one of those like <laughs> right they almost sound the same but there's rise of the planet of the apes dawn of the planet of the apes and then war of the planet of the 
Dawn. Oh my god. War of the Planet of the Apes. Because there's also one from this like the seventies that's called Battle for the Planet of the Apes and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. So oh my it's god. just like all the names are really confusing. Yeah, I've seen all those. I saw the last two in theaters and like I enjoyed them for sure. I, I definitely want to go back and watch them pretty soon. And like Andy Circus is amazing as uh Caesar, who's basically they're all prequels. Caesar is like the original like ape that gains more intelligence and basically leads all the other apes because there's in that timeline mm-hmm. <laughs> it like this is getting kind of complicated but in that timeline there's like a disease that is killing humans off and like making them become more more animalistic um, they're slowly losing their ability to speak and everything that's in the new movies which is different than the sequels the original sequels but so it's like apes are becoming smarter and everything and that's like all those themes are very interesting just off the top of my head, though, it does feel kind of like a little too prequely. It does explore a lot of themes, you know, on its own, like way more than the Tim Burton movie. But mm-hmm. it just feels a little too tethered to like the original like idea of what Planet of the Apes is. So it's like 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 what you're saying. If we made like Planet of the Apes for 2021, it's like I'd love to see just like they could just keep telling stories that are like more offshoots, kind of like like they're doing with Star Wars now. Right. Yeah. I don't know if the audience is that big. Like, even for me, like, I'm like, Planet of the Apes, that sounds like it's just kind of schlocky or something. But mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just really does appeal to me, though, even though it's just like a very simple concept of like, what if humans but ape? Okay, this is a wild connection. But I, I kind of feel like the story of Planet of the Apes is similar to the story of the Star Wars prequels. And what I mean by that is like, that the story itself is a fun concept and interesting. And you want to know about it, you want to explore it. But like, yeah, the the execution of it in actual film format is just so like not good. Basically. Yeah, I think the book is well, you know, like I said, the book has plenty of problems, too. But the actual framing device and the reveal, like I it made me definitely want to read more because I don't read nearly as much as I would like as, you know, as I put upon myself saying that I should <laughs> just because I read a lot in high school, which, you know, is now. 10 years ago or whatever, 10, 12 Damn. years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can't keep holding myself to that standard. It's like that and like, wait. I'm like, I can't keep thinking I'm in high school. <laughs> yeah. I need to, I need to exercise and I need to read. <laughs> but yeah, it's just definitely like reading Planet of the Apes, like especially the ending made me like, it felt like euphoric in a way, like just letting the words slowly reveal what's happening because I just watched so many movies and it's like when there's a visual on screen, there's either a visual reveal of something or there's not. Whereas a sentence, it's like a slow reveal of something even slower than you would with a visual, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's like feels more personal in a lot of ways. So, I mean, some of this stuff probably sounds kind of obvious, but it's just, I just haven't read in a while. And I'm like, oh, I I remember now why, why reading is it's special own thing and like mm-hmm. i don't know not every single book needs to turn into a movie like like yes i'm glad that that they made like a movie franchise out of planet of the apes um to tell like their own stories and stuff but i kind of like there's some of the sequels of the original uh series like like the second and third movies i like a lot they just kind of explore different things like i kind of like those better than the original movie but damn I don't know there's just like i guess they're trying to it, it i mean it's obviously in the zeitgeist and everything like they did a good enough job with the movie you know with and charl they got charlton heston involved but it's just like 
I don't know, like, was that really good acting at some point? Like, do you think, I mean, do you think he's good? Like, I'm not trying to just, like, knock him completely, but just, like, especially at the end of the movie, you know, he's just, like, so bombastic and dramatic. Yeah, I think, like, if I were to watch this in 1968, you know, I would have been like, oh, that's, like, cool. Like, oh, my gosh, so good. But just now I look back on it and I'm like, no, he's just kind of being an asshole that I don't know him as a person, but he seems like that's kind of just who he is in a lot of ways yeah but you know i've been thinking that a lot about movies in general something that i i really feel strongly about in life right now is that like films made before the year 1985 or so are just like not good when you compare them to like modern films because <laughs> wait are you talking about like all movies or did you say franchise bit? movies like or? i know that's <laughs> i know that's a huge blanket statement and there's definitely like old movies that are good but at the very least with like especially with like sexism and racism and all forms of discrimination like movies that are coming out now get so much better and like movies that are going to come out next year so much better and it's just like it's hard as a woman and i'm I'm even like a white woman so like there's still a lot of privilege and stuff tied to that but even as just like a woman like watching older films it can be really hard to like ignore some of the shitty stuff and just to like get through and be like oh yes that was fun without just getting so bogged down and being like this is really gross and i hate it yeah definitely um i mean there's stuff in like just so many movies that think about like immediately offhand i always try to be like as mindful and conscious of things like that you know but it's like there's you know there's always something in some big especially big franchise movies or like blockbusters and stuff that like that my girlfriend uh lily will just like bring up you know and like oh yeah like yeah that's i mean some stuff is just blatantly obvious like especially if we're watching there's something specific i mean i know this is like has nothing to do with planet of the apes but like especially late 2000s horror movies are somehow like more sexist and awful than like 80s horror movies it's really strange like it's like okay it's just a total regression of like gender dynamics dynamics and everything yeah the horror genre that's like a whole thing too totally agree like the horror genre has had this really interesting uh like diversion in the past decade or so where like they there's been like a harsh curve towards like just classic slasher type dumb idea stuff like truth or dare and like some of the like lesser blumhouse films uh and Mm -hmm. then the other like divergent side of that is that there have been a lot more like psychological thriller like dramatic horror films like midsummer hereditary those kinds of things and it's just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So there's like a lot of good in like some of those movies. And then some of the movies that have just diverted to being like, yes, we just want to be like a dumb slasher movie have gotten for sure worse about a lot of those things. <laughs> I know this has nothing to do with Planet of the Apes, but yeah. I do. I just like have been getting more into horror franchises as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I just watched all the Halloween movies and I'm slowly going through the Friday the 3rd. Thir- Friday the 13th movies oh, yeah. and especially Friday the 13th are just like probably like the schlockiest <laughs> franchise just like pure like slasher mm-hmm. vibes where it's just like really dumb hopefully nobody out there takes offense to that but I think like Friday the 13th fans like recognize it as just being like a slasher you know it's like not trying to do anything beyond that but like you're saying like I, I, th- I think slashers still have a point in a modern uh, cinema and everything it's just like oh it's just like fun turn off your brain stuff yeah it's just, like, if you're instinct, but at, even the slashers are getting better, like, you're saying, like, oh, movies are just, like, bad before, like, 1985 <laughs> or whatever. It's just, like, yeah, it's just, like, na- like 
more horror movies are coming about in a way that like they kind of should have always been it's just like Mm -hmm. it's less of like a white male monoculture now which is great because it's like now there's more avenues probably with digital cinema as well making things more accessible like there's more and more like just great like black horror films like queer and feminist horror films you know like Mm -hmm. just different perspectives and like i feel like that's something that like horror really uh as a genre is really good at just like with sci-fi too planet of the apes yeah okay so talking about like genres in general and like science fiction uh like you said they kind of take a very like nihilistic approach especially the main character takes like a nihilistic approach uh in the 1968 film so like would you would you say that science fiction nowadays in the past like decade or so keeps to that same nihilistic sense of like technology and space travel or are we approaching like kind of a new era of sci-fi i'm biased like anybody else's i guess i there's definitely a lot of just nihilistic sci-fi that i don't really care for it's interesting it's like some of it i really would like a lot like if they remade the 1968 planet of the apes um now and still had a very nihilistic white male character i think that would have a lot to say about like our modern society like in terms of just like you know especially just like white male toxicity you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's that's that is like a major problem in our society you know it's like that's what genre is there for to to talk about these ideas it's just gonna be Um, like a new planet of the apes movie would just be like elon musk going to the planet of the apes and being like I hate myself and everything that I've done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He calls people pedos when they're trying to save children in caves, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm saying all this stuff as a white male. Like, I, I just like, whatever. If somebody's offended by what I'm saying, I think you just need to, like, I'm not trying to attack anybody personally. It's just like, it is an actual huge problem. It's like, if you're a white male in this, in this country, in this world, you need to really be mindful of, um your privilege and everything you know so and there's just like a lot of like not even just being white but just male anger as well and i think charlton heston really delivers that in that movie Mm -hmm. but that's not really the point of the movie he's just acting very intensely yeah absolutely so i think that'd be really interesting as an adaptation for modern thing but what sorry what was like (laughs) the main (laughs) question that we're trying to ask uh oh just like nihilistic cinema and stuff yeah it's like So it's like, I don't know if you've seen like Ex Machina or like Annihilation, you know, even like Blade Runner 2049, I'll just out and out say like, I'm not a big fan of any of those, but it's also not my style. Like, that's not the kind of thing I'm really into. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people really like those movies and I'm just like, oh, like I like talking about AI, I like thinking about AI and stuff like that, but it's just like. Ex Machina is just, like, the overall vibe is just, like, super nihilistic in a way where it's... I like humanity being, like, reflective. I don't like it in a way where it's just, like, humanity... At least that's what I get from the movie, you know? Like, everyone has a, gets something else. Right. Everybody gets their own personal interpretation of the movie. It's, like, for me, it's, like, okay, well, the AI is out and out a villain to humanity now. So that both makes her just, like, an individual... Yes, she's, she's, like, her own character now. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, uh, okay, I'm just going to, like, <laughs> avoid more stuff about that movie just because right. <laughs> I, it's, like, going farther and farther away. I don't know. There's a lot of weird gender dynamic stuff in that movie as well, which I think is. Yeah. 
probably my main issue with that and Blade Runner 2049. Um, we could we could totally get into talking about this more, but I feel like that film has it in that way for a reason, so that like she can kind of get revenge and get her own um, autonomy back in the end by what she does. Yeah, but it's still it's still like. I, it does very clearly say, like, oh, look at this very clear objectification of women and, like, all this gross stuff that this inventor does. Yeah, like, Oscar Isaac with, like, the all the robots he makes are women and he's, like, dancing with that one robot or whatever, like, AI. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, I get that you're trying to make this character, like, an evil character and stuff, but it, you don't really need to do it at the expense of, like, female bodies, you know? Yeah, kind of in a similar-ish way to you know, Tarantino's Django Unchained, and I love that movie, but, you know, do you really have to drop the N-word that many times? I know. Some stuff, we'll just see if it gets more and more dated or not. But Right, right. <laughs> Anyways, if you like any of those movies that I just said I'm not a big fan of, uh, I'm not <laughs> criticizing you at all. I'm glad that you like the things that you do. <laughs> Remember, uh, guys, go over to the podcast, The Franchise, uh... and give it a one star. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying all this stuff. Hey, check it out. Um... <laughs> Like, at the end of the day, we're not saying, like, oh, the movie is better or, oh, the book is better kind of thing. We're just sort of talking about, like, the differences between them, similarities and, like, you know, I guess what bits and pieces maybe serve the story better. But at the end of the day, it's, like, not, you know, we're not saying, like, one is better or worse. It's just they're different, which is cool. One episode I really appreciated recently, you did Haunted Mansion with Tawny, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I've only seen that movie once, and I wasn't, like, a, a big fan of it, really. Like, I think it has, like, for me, like, a lot of problems. But I still think about that movie a lot, you know? It's, like, one of those movies. And, like, I think both of you enjoyed it. Yeah, especially for, like, that one. So that's, like, an interesting adaptation because while we're talking about a book adaptation, which is very common, uh, Haunted Mansion obviously was a ride adaptation. Like, it was a ride before it was a movie. And so... You know, that's totally different because how can you how can you go and be like, well, the ride is better than the movie because like they're just so different. They're like different things. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean one, though, that's tough. Ooh. Which one is better? Oh, they're so. I would love this is a random note again, but I would so love to watch part of the movie while I'm on the ride. And I think I'm going to try and do that this year. <laughs> just watch the movie while on the ride you'd yeah. have to go on the ride like so many times and you also might like pass out from huffing the pirate's water for like four out for two and a half hours yeah the uh the ashes of dead people in the water <laughs> oh god yeah oh, wait are you talking about haunted mansion or pirates pirates okay i guess haunted mansion would be hard unless you had like noise canceling headphones or something oh true true but anyways uh planet of the apes i have like i have a trivia question that i want to throw at you okay do you remember the French name of the original novel. Um, no, but I think it was just like translated to Planet of the Apes, but apes and planet are in the opposite spots because it's French. Mm. Right? Incorrect. Or was it called Monkey Planet? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, it translates more to Monkey Planet, but it's, it's called La Planète des Singes, which I guess literally translates to the planet of monkeys but it it makes more sense to be monkey planet i would love it to be called monkey planet the planet of the apes does make it feel a lot more epic true monkey planet if it was called that i would love a crossover between a movie called monkey planet and the movie water world 
somehow. <laughs> like, I don't even know how that could happen. I'm just thinking of, like, I'm just thinking of, like, monkey sailors now. <laughs> yeah, and they can swim. Sea monkeys. There you go. Sea monkeys. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you ever seen the mermaid documentary? No. <laughs> There's a whole documentary that, like, so to speak, tries to explain that mermaids definitely exist. And here's what they look like. And they kind of just look mm-hmm. like monkey swimmer, like fish monkeys. <laughs> oh, I've seen that in like the Guinness Book of Records or whatever. It's just like a dried out sea monkey kind of thing. Exactly. But they should do Planet of the Apes X Waterworld collab where um, <laughs> it's Planet of the Apes with Waterworld. And then the Mariner, a.k.a. Kevin Costner, finds this like yes. settlement of monkeys who just like has salination plants and everything so they have like plenty of fresh water and then they find out that he's just been drinking his own pee all the time and they're just like (laughs) you're a disgusting person we're way more advanced than you as apes of this world all right last question and then we'll wrap it up who would you get to direct that movie that movie yeah (laughs) the one i just came up with (laughs) yes um i guess well i mean we both came up with it I'm tempted to say, I can't think of the, the name, but you know the the director of Spring Breakers? <laughs> Harmony Corinne? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Matthew McConaughey could be one of the water apes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That'd be so weird. Yeah, I was going to say Paul Thomas Anderson, but that really <laughs> doesn't... How about this? Paul W.S. Anderson, the other Paul Anderson. There's another Paul Anderson? <laughs> exactly. What? And honestly, I think he's a little underrated. Um, he did most of the Resident Evil movies. He did. Oh, okay. Um, Event Horizon. Everybody check out Event Horizon. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's space horror. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. Very, very different options, but I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't have anything else huge to mention. I think we kind of covered all bases. Is there anything else that you want to throw out there before we wrap up Planet of the Apes? If you do ever want me on here again, <laughs> um, yes, yes. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to do Omega Man, which is another Charlton Heston movie. Ooh. That's with a uh, what's oh my god, what's that Will Smith movie with the vampires and Gem- stuff? Oh, not Gemini Man. Uh, God, I don't know. I can't think of a Will Smith movie that's not I Am Legend. Yeah, I Am Legend. It's I Am Legend. Oh, you you would call those things vampires? I mean, yeah, you know what? They kind of are. Well, that's the whole thing. It's really interesting, like, big research project, but... <laughs> Hell yeah. And then in the meantime, anybody listening, go check out Tyler's podcast. What is it called again? The Friend Chise. So it's like franchise, you know, but F-R-I-E-N-D-C-H-I-S-E. More excellent wordplay by myself. <laughs> Love it. My co-host, Connery Hansen. Okay, well, thank you again for being on this. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. This is, you know, actually my first podcast I've ever been on that's not my own. Really? (laughs) So, yeah. Hell yeah. So, but yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Anytime. And we'll see you next time for that uh, Will Smith one. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Bye. Shark Tale. Goodbye. And that's a wrap. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd appreciate if you'd follow the show on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you're listening from. You can also find exclusive episode release schedules and more on our Instagram, Flip the Script with Kim. Thank you for your time, and we hope you'll tune in for next week's episode. Peace out.